Hey, and welcome back to Stories of the Prophet series, and we're on to Prophet number five, that is Prophet Saleh Islam. So, after the people of the Ayad of Hud Islam, the Tamud were the best known of the ancient Arabian tribes. A powerful people with a well-developed civilization. The Tamud were mentioned in stories, poetry and speeches of the Arabs prior to Islam and on tablets found in Assyria. Al-Tabari says that among the Arabs before and during the time of Islam, the reputation of Hud Islam and Salih Islam and their people was like that of Ibrahim Islam and his people. And nothing is known of Salih Islam's life uh, before prophethood was granted to him. But like Nuh al-Islam and Hud al-Islam, Saleh al-Islam began his mission by calling his people, the people of Tarmud, to faith. As expected, his words were challenged and Tarmud's uh, false belief system <coughs> and it was received with the same hostility as was shown by the people of earlier prophets. But not to be deterred from carrying out his mission, Saleh continued to address his people using the arguments and evidences granted to him by Allah. Saleh tried to assure them that he had no interest in acquiring any material benefit for himself. Okay, just like Idris The leaders of the Tarmud taunted Saleh and fabricated arguments against him. Salih al-Islam earnestly explained that as Allah had granted him both clear evidence and special favors from himself, no one would be able to save him from Allah if he obeyed their wishes instead of Allah. Rather, he would lose everything. He called the people's attention to the fact that well-being and prosperity were not something to take granted, nor the fact that their Lord had provided them with both the rocky cliffs in which they lived and the skill to shape into dwelling places. Did they have no fear of the one who created them? And could they not understand that these favors might be snatched away from them any moment as recompense for their sins and disobedience? The leaders of the unbelievers had ready answers for anything. They taunted Salih Salam. Allah the All-Knowing then revealed to his faithful prophet a hint of what was to come. No indication exists of how many months or years Salih Salam spent preaching to his people. According to narrative, <coughs> Of Ibn Khatir, one day while the disbelievers were gathered in a meeting place, Saleh came in among them. They began uh, f- flinging their taunts and accusations at him and asked him for a sign that he had indeed been sent by Allah. For a while, they talked among themselves about what this sign could be. Then they put forward their demand. Saleh should call upon his Lord to produce before them a she-camel with unique characteristics. According to their description, she should be tall and pregnant. Only if Saleh al-Islam could bring them such a sign would they believe in him. Saleh al-Islam, being a prophet, was a compassionate man, fearing Allah's punishment towards his people. He longed to save them. As impertinent as their demand was, he earnestly hoped that its fulfillment might be the means of their salvation, and he prayed to Allah. All at once, a pregnant camel matching his people's description merged out of a rock on a hill. Salih al-Islam called her Nakat Allah, Allah's she-camel, adding Allah to the word Naka to give her respect and honor. 
So what is the she-camel? The fact that Allah himself speaks of the she-camel came as a sign, suggests that she was his miracle to Salih al-Islam. Indeed, her sudden appearance in the same form as demanded by the disbelievers was a decisive sign and proof that as a result, a number of people accepted faith. The Tamud had demanded that Allah send them a sign as a proof of Salih al-Islam's truthfulness and the sign had been sent. Moreover, this sign was a living, feeling creature. How they would react to and treat Allah's living sign would soon determine their faith. Salih al-Islam then addressed his people, ordering them not to harm the she-camel and to allow her to graze freely. This order did not pose a problem, since the camel's grazing would not lessen his people's own food supply. But her drinking was a different matter. For due to the she-camel's size, she would consume a great quantity of water from their wells. However, the divine order now came to Salih al-Islam to inform his people that the water that was given to them by Allah is to be shared between them and the she-camel. Salih al-Islam reminded his people of Allah's abundant favors and blessings and he reminded them not to commit abuse nor spread corruption. For a time, the she-camel enjoyed complete freedom of movement among the people, grazing freely and as they had been ordered, they also allowed her access to their water supply. She gave a huge amount of milk. It is narrated that this was an exchange for the water. Ibn Khatir cites a hadith stating that they used to drink their water one day and her milk the alternate day. And soon she gave birth to a male calf who trailed along her side on long unsteady legs. During this period, Salih al-Islam continued to preach and warn, but the majority of the disbelievers remained unmoved. In spite of Allah's messenger or any sign he might send them, they had no intention of ever abandoning their many fabricated gods or submit to Salih al-Islam's instructions. There was a group, however, of followers who followed the inspired prophet, while another group followed the worst people in their society. Still, Salih al-Islam continued to try to reach the unbelievers' hearts and warn them that they were being tested by Allah. But as before, his people's only response was rejection. Burning with anger at having to follow the despised Salih al-Islam's orders, the leaders of Tamud now met to resolve the issue of the she-camel once and for all. They decided that by killing her, they would again have all their water for themselves. In their evil plotting against an innocent creature, they completely forgot that the she-camel had been sent to them by Allah in response to their demands for a sign. They also disregarded that the water, their Lord's free grant, did not belong to any of them. They also overlooked that in return for the water, the she-camel gave plentiful milk to them, giving them more than she took of their resources. Disregarding their Prophet's warning not to harm Allah's sign out of malice and hatred towards the she-camel and Salih al-Islam, the chiefs of the believers decided to strike. It may be difficult to imagine people so hardened and vicious so as to conspire to cruelly kill a creature that had done them no harm. It may be even more difficult to imagine people who were so bold and fearless before Allah to attack the sign he sent them. Nevertheless, that is precisely what happened. They ganged and stalked the she-camel. It is said that a companion chosen by them drew his sword and slashed the tendons of one of her legs and killed her. As she fell to the ground, wounded, a terrible cry came from her throat. Seeing his mother's dreadful fate, the calf ran towards a nearby mountain. 
uttering loud cries and disappeared inside the rock. The cruel murderer then finished his job by slitting the she-camel's throat. And so Allah's sign to the Tamud died a terrible, painful death. The fact that this was a crime of unimaginable viciousness is reflected in a comment of Prophet Muhammad It is reported that he asked Ali and her, Shall I not tell you about the most wicked people? And when Ali Ali replied, Yes, the Prophet said, The ruddy Tamudite who hamstrung the she-camel and the one who will strike, O Ali, here. And he pointed to his head until it reaches here, indicated his beard. After insolently rebelling against the command of Allah and brutally murdering the she-camel, the disbelievers confronted their Prophet. According to Ibn Khaytar, all of them, young and old, had taken a vow of allegiance to the killer. And as he had killed the she-camel with the support and agreement of all his people, they all shared in the collective guilt. No longer could Sari al-Islam's great white Prophet heart hold any compassion for his people, nor could he hope for Allah's mercy upon them. He admonished them, warning them of a punishment to come after three days of enjoyment. Not concerned about any divine retribution, the leaders deliberated as to their next move. They reached a decision that they would make Saleh al-Islam follow the she-camel in death. They had had more than enough of him. As they slipped silently through the night, heading for Saleh al-Islam's house, divine retribution overtook them. It is reported that a huge boulder, carried by angels, fell upon them from the sky, smashing their skulls, and they all died together, the punishment preceding that of their people. After this catastrophe, and overcome by guilt over the vicious murder of the she-camel, the remainder of Salih al-Islam's people were stunned over the sudden terrible fate of the conspiring leaders. They were in a state of absolute terror concerning the nameless calamity which they knew would descend upon them. As day dawned on the third day, the Tamud still waited in numb, dumb terror for the punishment of their lord to strike. What was that punishment? The devastating catastrophe that came upon the Tamud is described in the Quran in several different ways in different verses Surah 11 Surah 15 Surah 54 Surah 7 Surah 69 Surah 41 verses 67 to 68 83 to 84 31 to 30 78 5 41 and 13 it is clear from various Quranic verses that a single word is not sufficient to describe the terrible calamity that came upon the Tamud. Evidently, it consist, consisted of a tremendous shattering roar from the depths of the earth, accompanied by a frightful, devastating quaking, and the Tamud were destroyed inside their own cliff homes, in which they felt so invincible and secure. But what of Saleh al-Islam and the believers? Although no details are given, their faith is mentioned in Quran as being saved through Allah's divine mercy for they believed and feared in Allah. And in safety and in peace among his believing companions, Saleh al-Islam turned away from the remains of the formerly proud and prosperous Tamud. Nothing is known with certainty about the remainder of Saleh al-Islam's life but local traditions around the holy mountain Sinai suggest that Saleh al-Islam together with the believers fled to it and that he ended his days there as a recluse. It is said that his grave is in a valley called Al-Sheikh or Al-Sheikh Nabi Saleh 
at the foot of Mount Sinai, where each year on the birthday of Prophet ﷺ, the Sinai tribesmen gather to honor the one who is buried there. It is also reported that the imprint of a camel's foot can be seen in a rock near the summit of Mount Sinai. But whose camel it was, whether of Saleh al-Islam or Musa al-Islam, who was to come to the holy mountain centuries later, only Allah knows. May Allah's blessings be upon Saleh al-Islam and the other prophets. And that is the end of Saleh al-Islam's prophethood. And next we move on to other well-known prophets like Ibrahim al-Islam. So I will be back with another audio for that. So till then, take care of yourself and have a good, blessed Ramadan.